you gotta give me notice on that one. Oh wow. I don't you know, you know why that I want to just say why that would be a tough question for me in this moment is because because I do it all the time, which means it's I'm having to recall like a gazillion conversations. Um, you know, I don't know, man. If I could simplify it, the the one thing I always want to know is is I really want to understand people's why. Um, first and foremost. Um, the why drives everything. Um, and then the, you know, what, what do you, in some form or fashion, the question will always be then, you know, what's really the outcome you're seeking? Welcome to the With Sayada podcast, brought to you by the Center for Belonging and Understanding. The podcast that brings to you stories of lived experience that you might not otherwise encounter. This is a podcast that encourages you to cultivate belonging and understand others. I'm your host, author and coach Sayed Azadi, and every episode I'll be asking a new guest to share their story. Today I'm speaking with Dorita Hatchett. She's a passion strategist and has been involved in programming and planning for over 30 years. She spent time working in higher education as a director of student services, facilities coordination and scheduling. Dorita has served as a program director for the YMCA Youth Programme, Health Education, Meals on Wheels and numerous other partnerships. Dorita is an experienced facilitator, event planner, entrepreneur, and strategist. So welcome, Dorita. I'm so excited to be here with you. And and it's really wonderful, actually. Like, I have never seen your name on the screen as it is today. Like, Dorita Hatchett, passion strategist. Like, who does not want to have a passion strategist in their life, right? So, I jazz it up a little bit for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I just think that that for me, part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation and to invite you onto the podcast is, um, and it just feels a wee bit strange kind of saying this, but energetically, even through Zoom and any other platform that we've met through virtually, I feel as if I have some form of a deep energetic connection with you and I like what you stand for. I like the work that you're doing. And most importantly, I like how you're showing up in the world. So welcome, Dorita. Thank you. Wow. That really means a lot to me. And um, do you know, it's funny. I hear that a lot about energetically and, and coming through and, connecting with people and it's been so strange because it's just been so much um gosh better during the pandemic I don't know what that is Um, I don't know either and um maybe it's partly because we've now got space and we're having to work out who are we right and I, I mean I can only speak for me but there are some really horrible, dark places that I've had to go to in order to be able to work out how to even just get through the challenge of the the day or the hour or the next five minutes. And so maybe there's just something about us just being more of who we are. 
I think that's what happened. I mean, I, I'm not even gonna say I think, I know that's what happened. Um, and I know there was a shift and I know that um, even though, like for example, here the church is closed and the things that we used to do to express our faith or religion or whatever, you know, we, I haven't, we haven't been there since last mm. year, but I feel way more deeper connected to my source than ever before. And even, and then they do a lot of stuff online or here or there, or whatever. And I don't feel as connected to it as I do my own real personal relationship. And I think there's sort of this thing about if you appreciate having made it through the last year um, and for whatever reason you put that on or, you know, whatever source you put that on, um, for me, I have gratitude for that. And I have gratitude for the journey and just all the people I met on the journey. And you happen to be one of those people. And I'm so grateful I met you early in the journey because, you know, this year I haven't been able to do a lot in exchange at all. I mean, I think if this had been flipped and you were there now, even though you're still being your wonderful self, um, it's just that moment in time was meant for me and meant for all the people I came in contact with. And it was beautiful. I completely agree in that, you know, we met at the right moment in time, not even realizing the power of that connection. And, um, you know, you know, it's like sometimes I'll go to events and I'll come out the other side and feel as if I've got another family. And, I, and when I leave, I then feel as some level of, of grief or pain because I'm leaving the, my other family behind, right? And it's really weird because I haven't felt like that about any of the virtual events that I've been to because there's an ongoing connection and an ongoing kind of uh, conversation that is just taking place. And I never thought about that until now. I, I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, I think in the moment I was like, this is great. I met so these are great people. You know, I was more, you know, excited like that. And now that I've had time to reflect on that and what it really has meant to me, and when I see where I am today, the space that I'm in and, and just how I'm moving, I can attribute, I know exactly the moment it occurred. I didn't know in the moment, but I know now the moments that, uh, you know, that happened. I uh, remember the conversations. I remember the, um, just everything. I remember everything about last summer, like very mm. deep and very, you know, authentically. And I, I'm a person anyway, I hold space for other people. And so I remember other people and their journey. And so there's gratitude for all of us in that because it's like, there's so much more out here and I know it. And maybe I just needed to be reassured of that in my own spirit. Um, and I don't know if you know, but, you know, I lost my mother in 2016 in November of that year. But that was the end of probably five or six of the um, matriarchs and the, the patriarchs of our family passing away. And so, I mean, I lost them in succession. Like it was my grandfather, my uncle, um, you know, my stepfather, you know, and then another uncle. It was just like they were going down about every That's six hard. months. And then my mother's husband died the year before her unexpectedly because he took care of her. Um, my father died in May of 2016 and my mother died in November of 2016. Oh my gosh. And um, 
you know, there was a sense of being, I guess, strong and courageous through that moment or whatever that was. And there was a strength I felt I had that I knew was not my own. Um, you know, and I've never even really talked about this, but I, I remember like the moment my mom died, I knew we, I was on the phone. I couldn't get there in time. And I, you know, my sister put the phone up to her and what I, you know, and I, and after she passed and I knew she was gone and I just broke down, I was crying and I, I was in my car and, um, I text a couple, I text one friend to say it happened. And I don't even remember how long I was crying, but a friend drove up. She called another friend who was in the area. And all of a sudden I saw this car pull up behind my car and I was like, and she jumped out and she just hugged me and everything. But the first real thought I had was that I'm alone and I was going to have to grow up. Wow. And I was 50. I had turned 50 that year. And as, as independent as I've been and as I've been taking care of myself, I've, I left the house to, for college, never went back. And all of that, did all of that. And that was the first thought. And I thought that was, it was a super authentic thought for me, which was you got to grow up and now you have to do it. And then I realized how much I relied on her, how much we talked, how much I ran things by her and actually how much I limited myself because I would share it with her. And if she didn't understand it, you know, I kind of didn't do it or whatever. And, and I thought literally it's all on me. Wow. That's, I, I mean, that's just huge, you know, and, and to kind of have that realization in the middle of kind of dealing with the unpacking of of all of you know the, the leaders within your family kind of passing and then your mom going as well that must have been quite tough I I don't know it was and then I don't know that it was um because I had to just get through it mm. and if you don't mind me asking how did you get through it keep, just keep moving. Mm -hmm. I think that was my method was keep moving. Um, and then I, I just understood I had to trust me more and I had to trust what I believed in a lot more. And, um, so that's what I did. And I think when, when times get hard for me in most scenarios, I'll keep moving. There's something about forward motion that works for me that helps me. Um, in the pandemic, I binged to watch TV for a couple of days and all of that. And I was, I was, I was like, I was nervous, but it was like tran transcending nervous. Like it was, the nervous was outside of me. Mm -hmm. I don't remember ever feeling it inside of me, but it was sort of like, I knew it was there. There was something hovering over me. Like you should be nervous or this is going to be crazy. How are you going to make money? What are you going to do? You know, who are you going to be? All of that was there. And I just said, start moving. Mm. And, and I, I love said, that. It was like, get in service to people. Mm. And the money will come eventually. Whatever you do right now is going to serve you somewhere down the road. And it mm. wasn't to do it self-servingly. I don't mean it that way. I just mean that I had to trust that who I am at my core is a person who serves other people and let it work for me for once, you know, 
um, because I would do it and do it to my detriment sometimes. And this time it was no, do it for yourself. Do it to serve yourself. Mm. And I think this, no, sorry, there's something really, really powerful about what you're saying in the idea that like you, you, you gain clarity of your own identity. You're doing it for you to be of service to others, which means you're also doing it for them. But also you kind of said something about going back to source. And, and for me that it, it, you know, for me, it's kind of like, well, going back to God. And, and if uh, people who are listening in, that's the universe or, or something else, then, then that's cool too. But it's just actually having the, re- the understanding of who you are to know how you show up and the and the bits that you need to do and the bits that you know and some people don't like the word that I'm going to use but I'm just going to say it anyway but the bits that you just have to surrender cuz you got no control over it and if you start focusing in on that stuff actually what it does is it holds you back and it prevents you from then being able to move forward absolutely i believe that i believe it um and, and the surrender for me was i'm very I'm controlling, I'm organized, I know where I'm going, I know what I'm doing, I know why I did this, I know why I did that, I know why, and I had, my surrender was, you don't know a thing right now, nobody knows a thing, like, I love it, I really do, because actually, when you come from a place of, I don't know anything, I think you ask different questions, and, and that's why exchange was so attractive to me, in that moment, uh, let me tell you, when I John was over in another thing that I was in, that's how I saw him. I think we were at the same other thing, right? <laughs> yeah, we were at the virtual event on virtual event, and he opened. And I, it was almost like, you know how you, you come to an event and you're like sleepwalking into the event, like I'm here. And he started, he was the first thing. I don't even think I would be in TVE or Leap or anything had John not opened. I'm clear. Was he the first thing of that event? I don't actually remember. He was the first thing because he did the connection. I I hadn't thought about that till just now, but yes, he came in and he, there were 13, 1400 people when you realized how big this thing was in relative to that time. It was the first thing I'd seen like that ever. And he hit the stage and I think he did 15, 20 minutes tops. And he had us engaged and ready and excited and asking those questions. And I was like, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? And he gave his link and I was already registered like within, you know, 10 minutes of him getting off the phone. I was like, I got to go see this. And then when I went to his kind of, he did the little thing where he showed it a little bit. I was like, he's talking my language. I, I never, I have never found anyone who talks my language in terms of now I struggle with that, you know, the AI, all of that, how to do it. But I mean, he was really resonating with me mm. and it was asked the deeper question. And and my girlfriend calls me a questionologist because <laughs> I may not ask them in the exchange way, but I'm always the person who's asking the question that's not being asked. Mm. That's 
always how my mind is working. And that, that's where that community was attractive to me. Yeah. And if I can just share my own kind of version of that, which is pretty much exactly the same, like within two minutes of, of listening to John, I just thought, whatever he's doing, I need to learn how to do that. That was that was my reaction. And and for those who are listening in and don't know what we're speaking about, um, there's a there's a guy called John Berghoff who is just one of the most gifted minds that I know. Um, and he set up a community called the Exchange Approach. And there they teach a methodology of how to do facilitation, which is kind of based around a number of different things, including appreciative inquiry. All the links will be in the show notes. But it's a great place for me because, you know, yeah, I, I, I think we connected maybe a little bit with the virtual events on virtual events, which was run by Sage, and I'll include their details in there as well. Um, but I think it's through the exchange community that we kind of developed what I will describe as a bond. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that piece on asking the or kind of knowing the question to ask is really important because in all of the work that I do, but also in you know all my life, asking or having a well-worded question come to you at that right point in your life, it can just completely change everything for you it can give you clarity it can help you look at problems differently it can just kind of give you direction so going back to what you were saying about needing forward momentum you know I think that comes from questions so I'm going to ask you a question that you're probably going to like tell me off for afterwards but I'm going to ask it anyway go for it so what are some of the best questions that you have ever asked in your life wow you got to give me notice on that one. Oh, wow. I don't, you know, you know why that I want to just say why that would be a tough question for me in this moment is because, because they do it all the time, which means it, I'm having to recall like a gazillion conversations. Um, you know, I don't know, man, if I could simplify it, the, the one thing I always want to know is, is I really want to understand people's why. Um, first and foremost, um, the why drives everything. Um, and then the, you know, what, what do you, in some form or fashion, the question will always be then, you know, what's really the outcome you're seeking, mm. um, you know, or, or it's at least some semblance of where do you think that doing this thing or being this way will get you. What, what What's the outcome you think will happen as of that? You And clearly you think it's a positive outcome because you're, whatever you're doing is going to send you to that outcome. And have you thought through what that is? Mm. Um, and I think that drives people's steps to then what do you do next? And so people do have the ability to solve their own questions and concerns if you know why and I think where you're going mm. and not the where in the sense that you're not letting you know but it, it it is true you could turn on the GPS and I could let it pick whatever but if that's not where I intend it to go um, in some at least proximity um, so you do have to know that although sometimes I think we're guided to that mm. um, 
but I think we're guided because ultimately our God knows where we're supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 I love the description that you're using of that because I think um with with difficult work, and I'm just gonna put it like that, whatever that may be, whether it's personal work or in transition or or you know, whatever. If you don't know what your starting point is, how are you going to have any idea where you want to go? And so that's why this kind of piece about um, understanding your exact location. And I don't just mean physically, I mean kind of metaphorically and spiritually and emotionally and in, in terms of work and all of those other things. When you've done that piece to know where you are right now, it's just so much easier to articulate even where you want to go. Like, like, for example, if I want to go to Rome, um, it's a different journey if I'm in Venice or if I'm in London, right? But if, I, if I'm physically in Venice and I think I'm in London, can you imagine the drama that I'm going to go through to get there? You know, but, and, and sometimes when you first said that, what it made me think about was, I don't know that I could have told you last year where I was really, where I was spiritually emotionally or anything um and I can articulate it better now however back then I think it's like where you are is where you are you know um and sometimes I've planned a trip before and I'm not sure where I'm going to be or I'm willing to go somewhere else to start the journey Mm. yeah like it's yeah that just that hit me because it's like it's cheaper to go to Europe from New York and although I live in Houston, I have to make decisions sometimes to go someplace else first in order to get to the other place. That's a writer downer. It's that. So- <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that's so good. And then you can use it. But that isn't that true? You, Yeah, you do have to know where you are. But then you also have to choose where you start. And, you know, just kind of like going back to unpacking the bit about exchange, like for me, had it not been for the pandemic, I would not have attended Jeff Walker's PLF Live because I've been in his community for so long. Right. But I've, I've, you know, there's been other events that I've had to prioritize because of some of the other work that I do. And so going to PLF Live was just a luxury that I couldn't afford in terms of time. Then it becomes online. So I go there. Then Sage are running the event. So I go to their thing and then I meet John Berghoff and he just gives me a completely different perspective on life. Right. So look at the, the, the different places that I had to go to before I got there. And you didn't know. But all you knew was I do sit in Jeff's PLF thing. And then over here, I intend to write a book and make it like a huge difference in the world and blah, blah, blah. You had no idea. So what it was, was you took a journey that you were guided on, like you, you're next, you, you're you like, what's next? What's next? Because you could have never predicted what was next. However, you have to know there's a next. And, and you have to believe in it and be vulnerable enough. And guess what? Every now and again, you'll pick the next and it'll be what you might call wrong. <laughs> but it was never wrong it was just redirectional. And the thing that a coach said to me that freed me because I'm, I am a perfectionist. I'm trying to get it right before I do it. I don't want to tell anybody I'm working on it. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And it was like, nah, just do what's next. And Mm -hmm. when I took that 
thing. And I, I'm, I'm 80% there. Every now and again, I, I challenge it. And when I challenge it, I'm delayed. And when one day I look up and I ask myself, like, why am I delayed? Then I have to be honest about the thing I delayed on. So good. And if I'm honest with myself, then I will go back and rectify it. I will, I, I will do my best to rectify it. Whether that means maybe I, I picked a person and I, I didn't like their personality or whatever. And so I didn't do what it was. I didn't learn the lesson. Now, maybe I'll go learn it from someone else. But I understand what the lesson was that I didn't get. And I'll go back and I'll say, okay, God, maybe that wasn't the vessel you were going to get it to me through. Because I think people hear when they're ready to hear and they hear it from who they're ready to hear it from. And so like I have a girlfriend and I work with her and oh my God, I get so excited because I learn things and I'm like, she's going to love this and she's going to do this. And I spent hours with her one day and she was excited and we were excited and we had post-it notes on the wall and we had a plan and all that. And she went home and she didn't call me for two months. Mm. She was overwhelmed. She didn't get it. She really was like, after she got in the car, she was like, how in the hell am I going to do that? And she got afraid. And it was all of these things. And two, three months, she wouldn't talk to me. Like she wouldn't return a phone call. Like it was so bad. And then fast forward, maybe eight, nine months, she does exactly what we were talking about. Um, I invited her to be in somebody else's program and she heard it from them. But I had already planted the seed, I'm certain. And she heard it and she did it, but it was full circle when she came back and asked me to help her do it. Oh man, there's just so much goodness in that because I think you're, you're absolutely right about this thing of, you know, one needs to be ready to receive the message. That's one thing that I heard. The other thing actually is it doesn't matter where it comes from. So just kind of stepping aside for a, a moment one of the things that I know myself about, you know, being a parent um, and and I'm very blessed in that, you know, both uh, me and my husband are still together and that we're raising our kids together and, and all of that is like, actually, even though there's two of us, we are not the village to raise the children. Right. So why even think that I uh, between both of us, we have got the capacity to give everything that the kids need. So it's like being open and saying, well, I can't do it all. But if I need help with something, who can I ask? And all of that kind of um, the, 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 the blessings and the richness and all of that that comes in. But you've got to ask. And the reason I mention it is because I know that if there are some key messages that I want to tell my kids, hell will freeze over before they listen to me, right? But if someone else says it to them, then they are going to listen maybe the first or the second or the third time, but they will pay attention to them. Well, you know, Said, I don't have children, um, but I've raised a thousand. Um, I'm that person that people allow into their family. Um, and, and I'm that auntie. I become that person to people's children. And for 20 years, I worked in higher education. So I worked with young people, 16 to 20, whatever, go people going to college. And, um, and, and I'm very forthright. I mean, I'm going to tell you like your aunt would tell you. And, and, and invariably, I always tell parents this, they are listening to you. What they're doing is on their journey of getting confirmation about what you said. That's it. They are listening to you um, because they'll tell a stranger. My parents mm -hmm. tell me that all the time. 
And, or they'll say, you know what? My mom told me that I don't listen to her at all. And now that you're saying it, it makes sense. Or now I know she's not off the wall because she said X, Y, Z. And I valued those years so much because I was with people at the phase of life where they're on a journey to make their own decisions. And they're also reconciling what they were taught as children, Mm -hmm. right or wrong. It was a beautiful time. I couldn't do it now because this age group is really, I just want to shake them. I just want to shake them. But I used to always tell the parents, Mm -hmm. you're doing a great job. And and I need to reassure you that they are listening. Mm -hmm. And what I learned in my life working there was I had to learn delayed gratification, just like a parent. I learned whatever I'm saying to you today and you feel like you hate me and you don't want to do what I'm saying or I'm annoying or whatever. I was exactly like a parent. And years later, even like right now, you know, I did something the other day and one of my former students, I wake up to this message and she had sent me this Amazon gift card to buy something for my business because I had put on Facebook, like, oh my, I had a win and here's what I'm doing now. And, and she said, I woke up this morning and in my spirit, it was like, bless her because you're where you are today because of what she poured into you way back in the day. And I get it all the time. They allow me, I see the births of their children. I'm there in the hospital. I'm there with marriages and weddings. I actually, they hire me to do their weddings because they know I know their family and I'm going to tell their family to sit down, you know, whatever that is. I've been through that like a parent. Mm. And I want to just say to you and all parents really is keep pouring the way that you know best to pour and be willing to allow other people to pour into your children even sometimes when you may feel it conflicts with what you're saying, because sometimes they see your children, they see your children differently. Mm-hmm. We don't see the everyday what what annoys you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can really hear them and see them. And um, and we're partnering people out here are partnering with you, you know, for that. Yeah. And I think it's really important, actually, because kids need to be able to form their own identities and, and what they stand for. Um, in a space where they can feel held, right? Because, you know, I, I know we don't, I don't have much time with my children, you know, I mean, one's 17, one's 15, maybe one or two years of influence left, and then they're going to go on their own paths, right? And in that Yo, time, you have, I, like, that's why I told you on my mother, when my mother died, is when I said, I don't have that to hear anymore. <sighs> my mother mothered me. I mean, until the day she died. And I think you should. It it looks different. It looks different. And it's not that you become their friend or anything. But the older they get, the more they need you. The older they get, the more they come back and reconcile what you said. Because Mm -hmm. now they have their own mind. And and now it's showing up. It's like the work and exchange. I'll tie it back. You learn it. you, You know, we're practicing it. We're in these things. We're sort of It's really, we're in this utopia when we go to those meetings because we're all on the same page seeking the same thing. And so we're open to it and we participate and we go to breakout rooms and we're like, yeah, this is, we talk so deep and we're just like, oh, we're so thoughtful and so thought provoking and all of that. No, no, no. Real life is when you go do that with some outside group Mm. who could care less and who hates their boss and they're annoyed with each other. And when you really pull it off and feel and know that you made them a team, on the, on the other side of it, 
But with mm-hmm. your children, I mean, people say that all the time. I don't have much time. You just don't have much time with them, like up under you in your house, probably buying groceries every day, but you might still be doing that for a few years. Just, mm. just I'll take that. And and I think that you made a very important point and given me something to reflect on. Cause I, I know for me, like when I look at my mom, I'm, you know, of course, absolutely. She still parents me, right? <laughs> like, you know. It's just, uh, it's differently. Yeah, It's yeah. differently. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's a different relationship. I'm not talking about people that have strained relationships or anything. There's probably someone else you might look to for that, but mm-hmm. it's the same principle is that at the end of the day, you know, you got one person in your corner probably, and it's one of your parents, if not both of them. And I'm going to go out here and make my own decisions. And somewhere always you hear their voice you're the compass, whatever you poured into them, you just, you got more time to pour into them more frequently. Mm. That's absolutely. And, and the other thing that's coming to my mind is, is, you know, in response to what you've just said is that I spend a lot of time trying to kind of um, cultivate that village around my kids. And the biggest realization I had in the last, I don't know, 18 months or so is that I've also created a village around myself and I never leaned into it. Right? Like I created the thing, but I never leaned into it. And all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? There are some really, really amazing people and just asking for help and asking for support and guidance and just, you know, even just a coffee when you want to download something has probably been the thing that has got me through the last uh, year or so. And I say all of that, as an introvert. So it is not within my normal gift to contact people and say, can we meet for a virtual coffee or do you want to hang out or something? But that has just been such um, a nourishment for me. I like to say I am an extroverted introvert. At the end of the day, I do, I recharge alone. I I really recharge in my Mm. own space doing things that you know people have no idea what I think about and do when I'm by myself and they'd probably think it was hilarious um and I can be extroverted when I need to be um as an event planner and a project manager and you know when I did the college work you had to show up um in that space and so um and you know but I'm very much but my life is about a village Mm. I am nothing but a village, nothing. Mm. And I am that person where, and I'll tell you in a minute, I may not know anything in the moment you ask me, but I will think about it. And I always have a person to call. Always. I have never been stumped. I have never not known somebody else to lean into ever. And I realized my mother was like that. My uncle was like that. And I didn't know that was almost sort of a little trait that we have in our family. And uh, my nieces and nephews, I can see when they were learning it. I saw them watching us and I saw them kind of like, what is that? You know, or why, you know, but I never travel without asking my family, who do we know? Never. Mm -hmm. I mean, and my sister's opposite. She's not as friendly and open. But if I go to Idaho, I'm going to do my homework. And I'm like, wait, who's in Idaho? Who's in Idaho? You know, and the village will show up and say, my cousin John is in Idaho. I don't know John, but John knows your cousin. We get on the phone. Next thing you know, I'm probably staying at John's house and they're taking me around. And I've had the most amazing experience I was ever going to have in Idaho because of John. And because that's how my life works, 
I trust and believe in that. Um, and I don't know if you saw it recently, but I put a post and I said, somebody might think weird about it, but I don't care. It's me. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of things to buy. And it was like, these are major purchases and it's, it's a tough time. Right. And I said, look, I'm just going to say it. Here's a couple of things I need, you know, and it's, I'm not, not saying give it to me. I'm just saying, I said that to say, I don't know how it's going to show up. Mm-hmm. Someone could be getting rid of a refrigerator. I don't know. And then I need a laser printer. You know what I mean? It was all of these things. And the funny part was when I watched people start working it, it was like, yeah, okay. I knew that's why I had to put that out there. Mm. And then a friend who I haven't talked to in months called me yesterday and he goes, oh man, I just gave my laser printer away, you know? And then what everyone does say, which I love because I appreciate this is that, yeah, I do that for you. You're always doing something for someone, even if it wasn't for them. What comes around goes around. For real, you know? And it's almost like I'm 55 and it's funny. I'm accepting. I've had to just release that. I'm accepting of it. I'd let it come because it's like I've spent 45 years of my life. I've been doing this since I was a child. Wow. Is being about other people. And if I'm in a season now where it can come back to me, I am so wanting it and I'm open Mm -hmm. for it whatever that looks like, every moment, every silly thing, every Starbucks card, because people know that I'm an addict and they just, (laughs) they load me up on it, man. I mean, I don't even really put my own money into Starbucks now because people know if all else fails and you can't think of a gift, give me a Starbucks card. And it's crazy. What's your favorite coffee then? (laughs) I do the chai tea lattes all the time. I'm a chai tea nut. I actually Even where, really, like I bought it, but it does not taste the same at home. And um, and now I'm into this pink drink they have where you add these extra strawberries and stuff. And I think last night I realized what it was. I don't know if you were if where you live. When we were children, our generation had these gross items like tang. You had orange juice that was in a it was yeah, like powder. Yeah. You called it orange juice. Full of chemicals. Yeah. yeah. So we did. I was the chemical generation and we had this like oval team where you stick it in milk and yep. you make it like <laughs> strawberry milk or whatever that was Nestle quick or something. It reminds me I last night it hit me the smell. I was like, oh, shoot, that's oval team. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> I thought that's what it is. I said, what great marketing. Make it smell like something we remember. Mm. You know, now it's with oat milk and it's you know, it's, it's all good. Mm. It's funny because I quite like chai latte, but I just find it's too, there's something about it that just puts me off. I like the smell of it, but the taste, I just find it really, really rich. But yeah, now, there, The way I get it, I love it. But what, like when I bought it at home, it's mm. something I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. like that. But that's my thing. Yeah, That's my guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> we all told, have to have I just one. just told the world. <laughs> hopefully people are going to send you even more starbucks cards right so they <laughs> hey send me starbucks stock yeah. and somebody introduced me to starbucks but yes one of the funniest moments so i'm watching ted lasso at the moment and some of it is catch up and one of the funniest moments in there is when he meets um uh, a friend of the the owner of the football club and he's like Oh, I'm going back to 1997, sending myself a memo saying I wish I could buy Apple stock or buy Apple stock or something like that. It's just hilarious. <laughs> so. I, um, I, 
I want to ask you what what does a passion strategist do? Because I think we're kind of starting to get an energetic sense of some of it. But what what does a passion strategist do? I started using that word because I really am about strategy and strategy is what we talked about earlier. At the end of the day, those are the core questions I want to know in order to help someone accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. And I started calling it the big idea, which is what's your big idea? You know, what is that thing that you um, don't tell people about? What's that thing that's sort of burning in your heart and your tummy and um, you know it and you're probably hiding it from people because it's so big that you don't even believe you can do it yourself, all of that. But when people are willing to start to share and I've heard in my lifetime, I, I started thinking I should have wrote it down. I just should have kept a list of all the wonderful things people do in the world um, that they're afraid to do or don't know how to do. Um, and, and it just starts with like, why and how, where do you see this? And then in the middle of that, we're asking about um, what do you already have and what do you lack um, to get there and to make it happen? And those are big questions. They're very simplified questions, but that's what exposes the plan. Mm. And that exposes the path and the plan in my mind. Um, So I've learned at first I thought it was about certain things, but I've learned it doesn't even matter in the industry. If the person understands the industry, if they understand what they're doing, the content, that's what I'll call it, and they can explain it to me, I have the mind where then I'm like, okay, or I'll ask questions like, so tell me more about that. So who needs to know about that? Okay, so what kind of person wants to buy that? And although I'm asking those typical, even what you might call marketing questions, I'm not asking from a marketing perspective, like who's your avatar. I'm really asking because I'm trying to understand, okay, well then, so how do you get from here to there? Mm. And I'm very, you know, my, you know, it's a gift. It really is. Cause I can't tell you today exactly how or why I do it, but it's a gift that says, I don't pretty much care what you're talking about. If you can explain it to me, we can talk through, how do you get there? Because mm. it's really all the same. And so passion is what are you, I know you're not really, you don't build your business on passion. You have to build it on how you're serving people, but I call it passion because it's like, it's the thing that you will stay up late at night. You will get up early to do, you will invest in it. You will like run to it every day. You can't Mm -hmm. wait to get back on it. That, that kind of passion. Um, But also you need to not be so passionate about it and love it so much that you can't see it for what it is. And, you know, you we, you live in a naive space when it's your baby. And, mm. and I'm, an independent, I'm an independent witness that holds space for your dream. But I'm the one that's going to, we're going to put some legs on it, some feet on it, some wings on it, whatever you're calling it. But it can't stay in your head the way that you think it's in your head. It's got yeah. to hit a piece of paper. And then guess what? We have to do something. You know what? There's a theme here, Saida, and I just want to thank you because um, this whole forward and go forward and keep moving is showing up in my language today and I'm loving it. That's what it is. Mm. And, you, you know, there's, there's so many things for for that I, I could respond. So one of the things that I actually, for a while, I was ending my email saying looking forward. 
And I never really understood why I kind of like had adopted that as a, and, and I was thinking, what, what is it that I'm looking forward to? And then I thought, you know what? It's looking forward to the response. It's looking forward to what's going to unpack. It's just looking forward to anything. Because I actually had a couple of people say to me, why are you saying that and not kind regards or all the best or whatever? And I just thought there is just something about those two words that that create momentum, you know, and it's, it's because all of a sudden you kind of, in order to look forward, maybe this is what I'm trying to say, in order to look forward, you need to know where you are. Right. Yes. And you're not worried about, I mean, it's important and those are things you have to kind of consider, but yeah, looking forward just means that, you know, one, I think it exudes a level of excitement about it on some mm-hmm. level. Um, Cause you don't ever tell someone you're looking forward to it and you're not. Absolutely. You know, that's the one time I think we're now that I'm thinking about it, it's the one time we're super clear. And, and I would I would ask your listeners, think about it. If you've ever told someone I'm looking forward to it, were you ever not? Mm. It, it's I think it's an honest, authentic moment we have with ourselves when we say that and use that. And we should use it more. And I think you have to ask yourself, OK, if I'm ending this conversation and I'm not willing to say it, what just happened right here and what needs to happen so that next I'm looking forward to it and not in a symbolic way of just I look forward it's that I'm really looking forward to that and I want to be wherever this is taking me and um I believe there's something there for me I love that I love that but yeah that's passion strategist oh I love it and the other thing that that you said that really resonated for me is is what I heard was kind of like start with a blank piece of paper. So that took me back to how I kind of came up with the methodologies and how I wrote the book Results that Arts and Science of Getting It Done. Every day I had to start with a blank piece of paper because inside my head I had all of this stuff and I didn't know how to unpack it. And my method, my my kind of practice, and I, I ended up actually doing it for about a month was clean piece of paper first thing in the morning draw something out does it make sense if it doesn't make sense start again sit at my desk for half an hour every day no attachment no drama no nothing every day blank piece of paper start again and then eventually I kind of started to find a pattern and it was just easy to unpack what I wanted to do and what my ambition with that with that book was and I suppose what I heard in you speaking about the the kind of passion and the strategy and, and the passion strategist is the idea that when you have clarity with what it is that you're trying to do, that next step does come. And I didn't want to miss that kind of piece there. It it I think it does. Um, that's why I said, you know, maybe it's a gift because I, I you know, I, I find that people don't sense that. Um, <clears throat> but there has to be a what's next question. Like what, what happens next? And yeah. so um, when you talk about, even for you, you, you were doing what was next and the way that you were doing it, <clears throat> what that says to me, conversations we would have had would have been to be gentle with yourself um, and to allow the process to unfold. 
And it's different for each person because they're on a different journey. Um, and, you know, setting up something like that, which is, okay, at least set the same time every day, get up at the same time, you know, look at it at the same time. There's a wonderful exercise that's, it's called a listening exercise. Um, get a partner and commit to at least 30 minutes, if not an hour. When you get on, split the time in half and the, each person talk. Mm-hmm. And you're not allowed to respond, coach, ask questions, nothing. And if the person chooses to sit there through their entire time, then the two of you sit there together. And eventually someone talks or someone talks and then they say, okay, I'm done. Mm. But there's time left. And you, you sit there and you say, there's time left. And it's amazing what starts to happen amazing the things that you will start to say because you will start to share from the depth of your soul no matter how silly it sounds when you first start talking you will end up sharing something that has really been trying to come out yeah and and, and you have and, to space quiet and, space for that you know that's the key thing isn't it because i think even today we've got a bigger understanding about the the challenges in terms of mental health and what, what some of us have got some clarity on, on some priorities in our life. Like, for example, people may see me at the moment and think, you know what, she knows what she's doing and I kind of do right now. Doesn't mean it's going to last forever. Um, and, and I think that's important to share because we look at other people and think they know exactly what they're doing and what their direction is. But everyone has days when they just want to you know, literally sit on the sofa, put the duvet on and just watch telly and eat trash. Um, But that aside, creating that space to think and to pause is what allows the other stuff to come. And what you're describing in terms of the, the kind of doing it with a partner, for me, is really important. There's a there's a brilliant book called Time to Think by Nancy Klein. And she unpacks how um, some of this works. And I would, I, I think some of her resources are available for free online as well. And I would really recommend people do that. Because even if you sit in silence, actually, sometimes the sharing doesn't need to be in words. It can be through the sounds or through the energy or through tears or through laughter or through something else, you know. I think sometimes people are afraid to be with themselves. Now, spoken like an introvert, but, you know, if you find, if you were to ask yourself, could I sit and be still and quiet for 30 minutes or be still with another person and not say anything, and you find that to be a struggle, that's a good place to to start doing some work. Mm. That's just a great place to start. That's not right or wrong or anything, but you have to be okay with you and your thoughts. Um, and no matter how far somebody is in their journey of what they're doing, anytime they start something new, they're at the same place that you are. Mm-hmm. So new is relative. I don't care how accomplished you are, you know, Saida, and you had your degree and all these other things. When you went to write the book, you were new. And, you, and you've written it. Great. Now I have to promote it and put myself out there. You were new. I'm going to do a podcast. 
you were new. <laughs> so no matter what someone thinks when you're watching another person, if their journey is that they are one where they're building and learning and growing, something to them is always new too. And, you know, I, I love that analogy where they say, if you wait five years to start, you're still going to be at the same place in five years. So, so now the question has to be, what's, what's really holding you back today? And, and can you be honest with yourself and, and a, maybe even another person, if you seek out coaching or consulting, but you, you will always, no matter what day you decide, have to grapple with the same question. The issue becomes on what day will you allow yourself to answer the question and then move forward. And I have to tell you that what you have just said has kind of described my podcast journey because <laughs> five years ago, I knew I wanted to do a podcast and I did nothing with it really because I got stuck on what shall I call it? How shall I do it? You know what happened a couple of months ago? I still had the same questions. It's just all I did was I made a decision. Okay, this is what it's going to be called. I had no idea what I was doing. I had to do the same learning in the last couple of months as I would have had to do five months, five years ago. And really, I'm saying that just to emphasize the significance of what you have just shared. You know, it's real talk. And it's real talk. I mean, and and sometimes I've had to learn in the past, I wanted it more for other people than they wanted it for themselves in the moment. And that was a hard lesson for me because I'm like, why don't you want this? Like, or, okay, we have a plan. We're ready. Let's go. And it's like the example I gave you earlier. I get frustrated with some people because you have an opportunity to surpass whatever I'm doing. And I mean, even financially. And I, I literally, I have to, and I'm okay with that. I'm like, go girl, fly, soar, you know, go make that seven, eight figures or whatever. I'm behind you, you know. I know this about myself and for people to be like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, you know, and, and sit on their gift or whatever. It's frustrating for me to watch because I may think I don't have that. That's not what I do. What I do is this, that does this or whatever. Um, and I've had to start looking at things where I say, okay, how, how can my life and my work be different? That doesn't rely on other people needing me to do anything with them. And so I've put a few things in place because that was a real question after COVID is that if my life work has to do with other people doing their life work and they don't want to do it and they're not ready and they're running from it and they're hiding from it, all I can do is sit out here and wait for the people who've decided they're ready. Mm. And I've had many a conversation. I mean, Saida, I really, I have people where we'll talk for forever and then we talk and I'm like, so tell me about, did you ever write that book? I remember, I know, I hold space for it. And my girlfriend, I was using her as an example. She called me back and she said, you know, after we talked and I saw you, I start crying. And I said, why? She said, because you remembered I said that 10 years ago. And then she got after it and wrote the book. But it was like, and I don't mean, when I do it, I'm not doing it to be mean or rude. It just means that I, so many people share some really passionate things they want to do. And when we all finally decide you're not ready, that sits, it takes space up in my body. It takes mm. space in my energy. It really does. I can't know it. I can never unknow it. Mm. And it's and funny because. Yeah. Until you tell me I'm done, I'm not doing it. Yeah. I will hold space for you to do it. Yeah. For 10 years, I was telling people I'm writing a book. 
and I never did. And now you can ask me and I can say yes. <laughs> but Look, I have a girlfriend. She would call me about every eight or 10 months. I started tracking it. And she would always ask me to help her plan her book launch because oh. I was seen as an event planner. And I would say, did you write the book? And she would go, I hate you. And I'd say, call me back when you wrote, when you wrote the book. Do you know the one, the one thing that I will share about myself, about this whole journey to me finally writing the book? I mean, because I did it because I had to unpack some of my own thoughts and just get out of my own way. But actually, you know, when we talk about BS and we kind of say, oh, you know, other people, we're not going to let that person and this person, you know, BS us. I think the biggest form of BSing we do is the one that we do to ourselves and I would even take that one step further and say that the biggest form of oppression that we do is the oppression we do to ourselves. Well, I just, I just, I've heard this before, but I just received it, which was procrastination is a form of self-sabotage. I, I write about that in the book, in the first chapter, there's a whole section in there about showstoppers and self-sabotage and all of these other things and how you get that stuff out of the way. And I'm telling you, procrastination, imposter syndrome, having a fixed mindset, there's so many others. But what you're doing is you you just, you kind of are setting yourself up to fail. And I know some people will hear that and think that's some sort of a judgment. But what it is, is it's saying... Well, 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 here's the permission to have the feeling, if I might. Our body is wired to protect ourselves. It's why we have skin. It's why we have things. It's why we do what we do. I mean, biologically, we are designed for self-protection and and, self, and regeneration of some things. And so the reason there's no judgment on what she just said, and I was in agreement with what she was saying, and there's no judgment on it is because it is our default Absolutely. to protect ourselves. And so you're protecting yourself when you are in a state of fear or confusion, and therefore you don't move. It's, it's, it's actually, I'm going to use the word normal. That's normal. So you have to be un, uh, you have to do an uncommon thing, which is fight to break out of what that is and to move forward in spite of the fact that you feel that way. So know that it's normal. Everybody feels that way. The difference between you and them in getting it done is that they did it. It's so simplistic. Mm. And they worked out, just kind of coming back to some of the things that you were saying earlier, they knew why they wanted to do it. So they knew their purpose. They knew what drives their passion and they had a strategy, you know. Well, they still do. I still think a person not doing it knows. The, the issue then becomes... What are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Mm, and they don't not know. That's why I'm saying if I ask enough questions and ask the why, they know exactly why. And then the issue might even become you have to ask the next question, which is why not? So if you know all of that and if this is it just hasn't reached a level of priority in their hierarchy of needs internally yet that pushes it out the door. Mm. It hasn't met, it hasn't met the measure for them for whatever means. And so, you know, COVID for a lot of people made them say, no, I need permission to shut down. Mm -hmm. And COVID was permission for so many others to ramp up. 
Mm-hmm. It's the difference. It was the level of priority. If people ran out of money, they got creative and they started something mm-hmm. and they made money. And other people, other things worse may have happened because they were frozen. Um, mm-hmm. But I think people know. I don't think people look at it and think about it and ask themselves and articulate it, but they know. And they have not yet made the decision, which I come back to in every conversation is there's a word called decision. 100%. And then once you make the decision, we can make the strategy. Because if you haven't decided to go forward, there's nothing to talk about. There is no, there is no book launch party if you don't write a book. Mm. I have a girlfriend who's written and published literally in 26 books. And I'm like, what's the accomplishment here? What are you going for? Because mm-hmm. most people who write intend for people to read it or intend for people to buy it. So what, what's the goal here? And, and she has, and she'll tell you, she's, and she's always trying to hire a salesperson. And I'm like, you want someone else to sell something that you've done out of your heart that you're not willing to sell. And until you break that moment for yourself, we still don't have anything to talk about. And I think we've been talking 15, 16 years. She takes me to lunch once a year and we have the same conversation. And now I've started eating and then I sit down and I'm like, are we someplace different now? Are you ready to do this? And she'll and I'm like, nope, see you next year. Mm. And I'm here. I want you to know whenever, whatever day you decide, I'm here, but you're not ready. And you know what? That allows that that's what makes people make decisions too, where then they start questioning the investment required. Um, to do what they have to do, to work with who they have to work with. I mean, it was COVID. I didn't have any work. I actually, the one thing I had coming in, I turned it down because it no longer, I knew in that moment that was no longer the path I was on and I had to let it go. And I didn't want to let it go because it was an income source. And it was like, I've never done anything for money like that. That's when I think that my energy and equilibrium gets just off because when I do it for the wrong reasons. So I had to energetically let it go because that was my symbolism to say, I trust the process. Mm. And I I let some money go in a time where I needed money. And I didn't have money. This will be the weirdest thing I've, I've ever said. I didn't really have any money, but I promise you from March 13th, I even had surgery in August. I don't think I actually opened online my bank account until November. I was never worried if I had money. Mm. I don't know how to say that. And, and things happened and whatever, whatever, whatever. And I, and my bills got paid and things happened and I ate and, you know, whatever things happen. Mm. People, somebody good, the right day, someone brought it over, you know, whatever. Guess what? The beauty was I didn't have to drive my car anywhere. And then they gave us a little bit off of our car insurance and everything I started doing from home. So, that you know, no gas money, no eating out money, started cooking, you know, things just showed up on the right days and all this other stuff started happening. I promise that I never worried. I never even thought about my money situation until around November, you know, and, mm-hmm. and started being concerned about it and things like that. And I'm saying some things I had done before allowed that to happen. Um, but I didn't have any new money. I did not have a client. I did not send an invoice to anybody in that time frame. Mm. And yet I, I was not going to say I didn't think about it. I wasn't worried about it. Mm. 
And, and I knew then I'm like, I said, I'm making a decision right now. I was paying to be in these programs we talked about at the beginning of the, the program. I paid, you know, we went to TVE and I joined Leap. I joined the coaching program. And that was about how to produce, you know, live events and all of that, but online. And then I went into John and I fell in love and I was like, oh my God. And I paid to be in that program. And the funny part was I didn't have anything else going on. So they were having these three-day meetings and I went to all of them. I went to um, OXC. I went to, you know, the three C's. I went to the five I went to the business development training just week after week after week, developing myself. Sharpening your soul. All I kept saying was this better show up for me somewhere down the road. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I, this, it has to. I am totally going all in investing in me, especially during this time where, you know, prior to COVID, were you ever saying like, oh my God, it's all going too fast. If I could just have an extra minute, if it would slow down and then mm -hmm. it did, mm -hmm. the universe heard us and it did. Mm -hmm. And that's what I said to myself. I said, I will, for all the days I said, oh my God, it's Friday already. Oh my God, it's Monday already. Oh my God. Oh, if I just had some more time, I would do. And I started saying, what are those things that you were putting off? Do them. Mm. Do them. Do them and do them with a vengeance right now, whatever it takes. I was writing letters. I was asking for deferment payments and kids, you, do you have scholarships? I was doing whatever it took to invest in myself because I said, when the doors open, You've I got to be ready. I got to be ready and I got to be a different person. I got to be in a different space. Mm. And it's starting and it's showing up now, even though people think we're back and we're out, we're not. And now like our state went back to orange um, or my county did. Let me put it that way. Went back to orange and, and, and it's rising and stuff's going on right now. And people really need to be careful still. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that we still have at least a year window for this stuff to play out. That was online for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll, you know, we'll see what happens, but I believe it also sharpened my face-to-face -face skills, you know, as mm -hmm. far as what I know I want to do when we get back, if I even want to go back, I don't mm -hmm. know that I want to go back face-to-face. -face. Yeah. It's a big, it's a, a whole other conversation over there, I think, because, uh, there, there's a lot of advantages to being virtual. There is some stuff that's missing, but I think we will come back to that at some point because I would love to have another conversation with you because there's just so much richness um, in there. Um, and I just want to say uh, that I think that you've, you've demonstrated an enormous amount of courage in terms of kind of just saying, you know what, there's some stuff that I need to learn and I'm going to learn it and I know it's going to be okay. You know, so... So good for you. I mean, for real, it's sometimes people uh, can see, but they don't necessarily see and they're not willing to do the work and you were able to do both. Um, as we wrap up, I've got a couple of um, questions. And the, and the first one is, what advice would your 16-year-old self give to you if they saw you now? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Um, <clears throat> if I were 16, it's almost advice I'd give my 16 year old self, um, be who you are. Um, I'm exactly at the core, the same person I was when I was 16. However, I was back then I was dumbing it down for people. 
Um, I felt like people were intimidated a little bit by what I had to say, my point mm-hmm. of view. And so I, um, I self-moderated a lot and um, I just sort of chose my moments. I, I laid under the radar. I let people know like individually who I was. People knew, they knew who I was. Um, meaning that in terms of advice, strategy, talking, people have always come to me for that, even in high school. Mm. You know, and I I played it down. Um, I also allowed people to give me permission to do things and permission to be smart and permission to be vocal. Um, I waited for permission. Um, I would sit in the cut and I would figure out, I already knew the answer to the question and I was strategic about how I got in and did what I had to do because I, I didn't that. want people to think some kind of way. And I, I guess I would just say, gosh, live fully and be who you are because it took me so long to give myself permission to be that person. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I missed out on. I, I, I don't regret at all. I think every journey led me to here, but I don't know who I could have been, what I could have done. Um, I got a job with the National Football League, our, our football program, and um, I got it after a few years of working, and I already had bills and things like that, and and with professional sports, it's glamorous, but there's no pay, and literally, it was about a $10,000 pay cut for me, and um, I couldn't see it, couldn't see it, and I, I said yes, I took the job, and then physically, I had a reaction. Because I thought, I can't live. I don't know what I'm going to do. So my family said, hey, we've all talked. And we're all going to take a different month. And we're going to help. Wow. So go take it. And then each of us will give you X, you know, a month to get you through. And I thought, isn't that great? Like, my family's so wonderful. Like, oh, my God. And then I literally was ill. And and my body said, no. I mean, don't do that. That's not how you want to live your life everybody's living to do your dream. Mm. And and at the time, I, I just, I couldn't, nobody talked to me differently. And so I went back and I said, I can't do it. I can't mm. do it. And it was when our Houston Oilers moved to Nashville, Tennessee. And now they're, you know, they're a major team. And, and I always think about, God, what could have happened? But my whole life, I've had those decisions to make. And in hindsight, probably should have made a different decision, but I didn't have anyone to give me permission. Mm. No one was in my life saying, you should, you know, let's talk about that. Um, I managed a lot of our sporting teams. Nobody said to me, you know, that's a field, right? You know, that's a profession. You could work in the National Basketball League. You could do, no one told me. So I have to almost go back and tell myself, do your homework. Nobody has to tell you. Like, I just, I didn't know I'm good at these things, but I didn't talk about it. I didn't try to, you know, I just, I just tried to like find my space by just helping people, you know, and by trying to figure it out. And I would have done that journey differently. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have never met you because I'm certain I would have been somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's exactly the way it was supposed to be. But the permission I have right now to be who I am and be me fully and be confident in that. And I know what I know. I'm not worried about what you think I know. I, I, none of that. I'm not worried about what you think I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I walk in that truth. I can stand firmly in what I'm trying to do with my business and where I'm growing my business. And I was just not that person back then. 
Mm. You'll have talents and skills. And, you know, when I say passion strategist, we all do ultimately something that's a little version of us. That's why when you do your avatar, it very much mm. looks a little bit like you. Mm. Because it's really our deepest desire to serve the person that we felt like didn't get served, which is usually us. Mm, so deep. So deep. So, so I do what I do today so no one lives like that. Oh, gosh, I mean, I, I the only thing that I want to really respond to as you say that is how can people contact you? Because I think it sounds as if people need more Dorita in their lives, right? So what's the best way for people to get in touch? Um, <clears throat> let's see. So um, my email is Dorita at dlhatchet.com. And you can put that in your information. And um, they can schedule a time with me at um, www.connectwithdorita.com. Awesome. And um, just select um, the 15 minute or complimentary session. And then we go from there. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. And I recommend that, that everyone does that because, you know, for me, Dorita, you're a real gift in my life. You always just bring so much nuance and perspective to it. And if you have a chance to get that 15 minute time with Dorita, it's just going to be such a blessing for you. Um, I want to thank you so much. You know, we've gone in so many different angles and directions that were completely unexpected to me. And it's been an enormous gift. And I'm going to, I am going to go back and listen to this whole thing again so that I can make my notes and my and get my own. I would love to time. listen to it again because you, you opened something that <clears throat> I'd been searching for clarity about how I wanted to articulate it. And so um, I love it. Yeah, it was good. Really, really good. So thank you so much. Um, I've loved spending this time with you and uh, I will see you again very, very soon. Take care. Thank Dorita. you for the invitation. Thank, thank you so you. much. Uh -huh. right. Bye. 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 If you enjoyed this episode of With Sayada, I'd appreciate it if you could rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people find out about the podcast and the work of the Centre for Belonging and Understanding.